0: Welcome to Greenbill Radio. I'm your host, Kendall Titchener. Today we're joined by University of Calgary finance professor, Dr. Urjo Koskinen. In this episode, we explore the fundamentals of ESG compliance strategy and trends. Thanks for joining us, Urjo.
1: Uh, my pleasure, Kendall.
0: Uh, let's kick things off. Um, Tell us about you where are you from what's your background and how did you get into sustainable finance
1: so i'm uh, i'm originally from finland so um, i did my undergraduate and master's degree in economics in the university of helsinki and then i i was a journalist a journalist for a little while and then uh, i worked for bank of finland like it's like central bank like bank of canada for a little while and then I left for, for France to INSEAD to do my doctorate uh, in the early 1990s. And uh, after I graduated from INSEAD in uh, 1998, uh, I've been a faculty member in various universities. So first in Stockholm School of Economics in, in Sweden, uh, then in uh, Boston University, then the Water School, University of uh, Pennsylvania, and now finally for the last four years, the uh, University of Calgary and the Haskell School of Business. Uh, the way I got interested in, in uh, sustainable finance and CSR and ESG, basically by accident, uh, A friend of mine and my colleague of mine uh, at the time, we were both at Boston University and neither one is in Boston University anymore, but he wanted to start working on an idea that he got from our marketing colleagues who thought that that CSR initiatives are like uh, mechanisms to uh, increase customer loyalty. And uh, I was very suspicious about this beginning. I thought, oh, this is not that interesting. But he, he kind of persisted in, 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 in about this research idea. So we were one of the first ones to, to in finance to develop a former modeling of how uh, CSI initiatives increase customer loyalty and uh, stability of cash flows and thus increase... Uh, uh, access to financing mm-hmm. and uh, decreased cost of capital and re- decrease systematic risks. So it was really my, my, my co-author's uh, uh, persistence that got me into the, the, the system of finance. And I'm very grateful for him for that because now the, the article has become a big, big big hit and is gaining lots of citations. So it's becoming a, one of the major major contributions in the the system of finance and CSR literature.
0: Very cool. And a a very apropos, um, I guess, conversation to be having today during the pandemic, Um, I tuned into your webinar with uh, Queens, I think it was a week or two ago. So a lot of really interesting discussions there. Um, so, it, can you explain what ESG is and why so many companies are developing ESG strategies?
1: So, ESG stands for Environmental, Social, and Governors, Governance Factors. Uh, and uh, so, sustainable finance just means that you take these environmental, social, and governance issues or factors into account when you Making your investments and capital allocation decisions. That's uh that's my favorite. I mean, there's, there are more complicated definitions, but this is a simple, uh, simple definition that you just take these ESG issues into account when you decide how to how to allocate your money and investments.
0: Okay, yeah, and it's definitely I'm noticing uh, becoming a lot more mainstream. You've mentioned that in Europe, it's It's been mainstream for some years, but I think now in North America, at least, we're becoming more aware and it's um, being mentioned on shows like Billions, for example, and and how impact investing um, and ESG is um, not just a nice to have anymore, but a must have for um, the long term success of, of companies around the world. So how is ESG measured and reported and is it regulated?
1: Well, it's not really officially regulated. There might be some initiatives coming from SEC, the so, uh, Securities and Exchange Commission from the United States, and it could be more regulated. But it, it's, uh, there are a couple of well-known reporting standards. One is the Global report, Reporting Initiative, that is probably the most well-known and most widely used reporting framework. And then uh, there's one called uh, SASB, uh, which stands for, um, uh, I never remember, Sustainability Accounting Standards Board, which is a newer initiative. And it's gaining traction, especially in North America. So there are a few of these reporting standards that uh, uh, companies can can follow. And uh, how companies are usually assessed is through different uh, rating schemes. So there are several uh, private companies that provide rating schemes for, for uh, es and G initiatives. For example, MSCI, uh, Thomson Reuters, or now it's called Refinitiv, Analytics, and there are others. So there are, there are a whole host of uh, these rating agencies that, that provide information and ratings for investors about companies and then their success in the ESG initiatives.
0: And since it's a relatively uncultivated space, where should companies who are looking to develop ESG benchmarks and strategies begin?
1: Well, for, uh, if companies probably one way looking at is looking at other companies. Uh, sustainability reports there are some companies that have very extensive sustainability reports so this reverse worthwhile studying notes and of course there are lots of consultant companies that offer the services in developing uh, sustainability strategies for companies but I think the, the really important thing about uh, ESG strategy or sustainability strategy is that it can't be something that is uh, add on to the company. It has to be part of the uh, core competencies of the company. It has to be important, so material to the company and has to fit overall strategy. so if if you really want to create value of with, with sustainability, uh, it, it just can't be some kind of a hobby or, or greenwashing or, or okay, let's do that, that that we look 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 better. Those days are gone. It has to be really part of part of your overall strategy, a part of your own competitive advantage, your core competence, that 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 might, in the long run, create value for your company.
0: Yeah, I think that's um, a key insight. There is that the the days of greenwashing are are coming to an end, if not over. Well, hopefully,
1: hopefully coming to an <laughs> end. I mean, there's, there's there's plenty of greenwashing that we, people like to do. Um, or companies like to do fancy fancy reports, and nothing really happens. But you can you can fool some of the investors all the time, uh, but but not all of the investors all the time. So uh, at some point, that the word gets out, and who's sincere and who's not, and people have to companies have to get more sophisticated, more and more sincere, and more serious about their ESG incidents.
0: So our ESG Equally weighted, or is there one letter that tends to be more uh, important to the other than the others?
1: So, if we talk about the ratings, so ESG ratings, so usually they are uh, equally weighted. So, E, S, and G are, uh, are equally important in informing in form, in the overall ESG rating. But if we if look at, for example, the recent um, COVID 19 market crash, and then, then uh, my own research uh, that we studied the stock returns during um, the February-March market crash. What we noticed that uh, companies that have, have I, E, and S ratings, so environmental and social ratings, did much better than other companies. And uh, so both environmental and social uh, ratings were driving the higher stock returns. But the G rating really didn't have any effect on stock returns. So in reality, it kind of looks like that uh, right now The E and S ratings are much much more important than the um, G rating. Although you have to remember that the G rating, the, the governance, might have an indirect effect because we know from the academic literature what kind of companies usually engage in environmental social issues is the well-governed companies. So uh, the G governance might have an effect through E and S, but not directly, because most likely if you're going to be successful in, in your sustainability policies, you are well-governed
0: firm. So what what ESG trends are are you seeing in the market right now?
1: Uh, so if you talk about Canadian market, of course, everybody right now—not everybody, but many many people—are talking about mainly about in inmi- my environment and especially CO two emissions. So that's kind of an overwhelming concern right now: climate change, uh, carbon emissions. How to reduce? Uh, Carbon emissions. How to reduce carbon intensity? How to be, become uh, uh, net neutral by 2050? Issues like that. Uh, but we never, never forget about the social social issues. And of course, now with with the uh, Black Lives Matter movement starting from the United States, now the social issues again are, are coming up in the forefront. So I think we should. Always try to keep a balance between between in, between E and S. That they are both very very important, and they are going to be critical success factors for companies if they fit into the uh, the overall strategy and core competencies of a corporation. If they are just add-ons, that oh we have to do something because now everybody is talking about E and S. Their strategy is going to fail. But it has has to be something that is really, really important for the firm, and it's part of the corporate planning process right from the beginning.
0: Hmm. Yeah, it's almost as though the public is is now really, um, namely twenty twenty, starting to hold companies more accountable to a lot of those claims. So.
1: Yeah, and if if you think about it, I mean, like, like, I mean, sustainability, CSR. ESG, all these alphabets have been uh, around for a long time. But it was like a marginal issue, maybe even 10 years ago. But in 2020, it's, it is a really mainstream issue. A uh, lot of uh, asset managers are paying attention to ESG issues. Most companies are now paying attention to ESG issues. So the, I think the, the mega trend is that have it has become a really mainstream. And, uh, and this is kind of the paradox of, of sustainability that if everybody is talking about ESG and everybody has uh, some kind of ESG policies, and if you think about ESG policies, how do you make money? It's, it, it has to be some kind of a product differentiation strategy. So this is perhaps even if you, if you, if you wish to say, it's even like a branding strategy. And if you want to have a differentiated branding strategy, how do you tell, How do you then differentiate yourself from the pack if everybody is following some kind of ESG policies? And I think the only way to, to differentiate yourself is that people think, "Oh, these guys are really taking this seriously. It's part of the, the uh, DNA. It's part of the overall copper strategy, and
0: they really believe in this strategy." Yeah. So, how are these companies, um, I guess, telling telling the story or creating a, a narrative in a way that's that's sincere? Um,
1: yeah, tell, yeah. Telling the telling the story that is sincere, that is consistent with the overall strategy and consistent with with the with, with the actions. I mean, if you you can't have a great social policy, you said, oh, we uh, we like to protect our workforce and you and I have nice brochures and then COVID-19 crisis happened and you start massive, massive layoffs and then pay cuts from your employees and then you protect the, the top management. Of course, that will be, people realize oh my gosh, for these guys,
0: it's just talk and nothing else. Yeah, that's a, a good point um, and a very timely and relevant one too. Um, so can you name some companies that are really leading the way in ESG right now?
1: Uh, so of course the classic classic example that is really, uh, many people like to use this is, is Patagonia, so the outdoor, outdoor uh, equipment manufacturer, uh, using organic cotton, donating climate courses, uh, uh, not maximizing short-term profits, but, but really interesting in long-term issues. Uh, Apple is of course now very, very topical because their commitment to, to only use renewable energy. If you think about uh, local examples, uh, uh, and oil and gas, Suncor has uh, always, always, for many, many years, has taken uh, ESG issues very seriously, both from the uh, perspective of uh, uh, carbon emissions, renewable energy, but also indigenous rights. So uh, Suncor has clearly been a leader in the in our oil and gas uh, industry. And then of course, most famous examples is like uh, Starbucks, using only ethically sourced coffee and so forth.
0: Yeah, it's interesting to see so many, um, I guess, diverse uh, industries and how they embrace ESG in, in such different ways. Um, and neat to see so many Canadian companies leading the way as well. And, and Canada has perhaps been, at least for the investor side,
1: a little bit journey come lately. Uh, it's, ESG investing has been huge in Europe for, for several years now. And now it's, it's, it's coming really in, force in, in in North America. In the US, we know that, uh, what, what, that BlackRock, for example, the world's largest asset manager, is now integrating ESG consideration in the investment process, and also the Canadian uh, asset managers are, are following. So it's, it's becoming a huge, huge issue also in in Canada, and uh, a lot of our companies have been uh, uh, very progressive in that sense. So thinking about how, okay, we we understand that this ESG is not charity, but how do we make it that this is is part of our. Uh, long-term future that we be profitable for our shareholders but at the same time take care of the environment our workforce and our other stakeholders.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah ensuring that there's still a planet and, and people to serve in the long term. <laughs> and quite often I mean I mean sometimes it's nice to think that we can have a
1: so-called triple bottom line people planet profits. But I mean, if 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 we can if if we can be good for people, good for planet, and good for profits, that's a kind of the ideal situations uh, situation. I mean, quite often we try try to think that there's a trade off between planet versus profit. That in order to be profitable, we we can't afford to care that much about the environment, or don't um, can't afford to care that much about people. But we think about it in the long run. If you don't care your own people, they're gonna be dissatisfied. Are you gonna? Are they gonna be motivated to work for you? Probably not. So in the long run, in the short run, you might have increase your profits by, by by treating your employees or workforce badly, but it's gonna come to haunt you in the in the long run, long, long term.
0: Mm-hmm yeah and I think it's it's interesting now, too, especially when you look at how something like social media plays into this, where consumers now have much more of a voice and there's that active dialogue. So if there are some shortcomings, um, companies are are held a lot more accountable in a way that they never were before. Um, so that's an yes. interesting dynamic. So that's
1: true. I mean there's basically two driving forces in this uh, emphasis on ESG consumers. Consumers are much more aware. What's happening right now. Uh, People are really interested in, at least some people are interested in how to to, to try to spend their money ethically. And also investors are more and more interested in in, uh, integrating ESG issues into the investment process. So there is a tremendous pressure from consumers and tremendous pressure uh, for customers uh, to get serious about ESG. I think the, the main message for, for companies is that don't think about ESG as some kind of charity or a, or a luxury. good. It should be part of your, your mainstream business and you should think about how, okay, how, how does ESG issues serve the long-term survival and long-term profits of my company. It might have short-term costs, but if you do it well, it's, it's going to help you in the long term.
0: So what can investors and consumers do to encourage companies to report on their ESG performance or embrace an ESG strategy?
1: Well, uh, investors, it's easy. I mean, uh, well, it's not easy, but there's there's several uh, alternatives. So investors, for example, could uh, invest only in uh, ESG funds. And of course, that that's a problem. There's a lot of funds that call, call them ESG funds, and some of them are actually not that much of ESG funds. But assuming that you do your homework, and you said that okay, I, I don't like, um, for example, investing in, 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 uh, in tobacco firms, or in, in many cases, for example, for European investors. Uh, perhaps, uh, not so in Canada, but a lot of European ESG-oriented investors don't like to invest in oil and gas. So then they invest in in, in mutual funds or exchange traded funds that exclude those industries. From of course, from, from a Canadian perspective, hey, not all oil and gas companies are the same. So there could be some some uh, that are taking the environmental issues very, very seriously and some uh, others who are not. And uh, if you take this kind of the negative screening approach that is the most typical in, in ESG investing, you might end up sacrificing a lot of, lot of good firms. The alternative approach, so one of the alternative approaches is positive screening. So you're only investing in, in, in firms that are best in class or best in their industries. Uh that could be an alternative. But if if investors want to have an impact on uh, firm's ESG performance, they have to be engaged uh, with companies. So you can't be a passive investor. So the good thing about being a passive investor is that you just invest in a a mutual fund that uh, doesn't take too much action and then uses either negative screening or positive screening that's a nice low cost approach but if you really want to affect change in corporations you have to invest in, in funds that are more hands on that kind of. they engage with with companies they talk to the top management they participate in the annual general meeting they they participate in proxy voting and try to influence the company's strategies but of course that the downside of that of that is that all, all those Actively managed funds are going to be more expensive than uh, than might end up in eating eating your returns away.
0: So I, I wonder um, if investor relations teams will start to grow and be more robust, considering that that dialogue seems to be um, more of a must-have now.
1: That's, that's that's probably the
0: case. I think what what is what really should happen, and and and
1: what's happening. Quite a lot before COVID nineteen crisis is that uh, in the uh, investor calls so when when you had a quarterly report so you, you talk to the analysts uh, the companies talk to analysts they be, some companies were always raising ESG issues uh, now it, during the the the, the, crisis, the immediate COVID nineteen crisis uh, this kind of conference calls the ESG issues uh, didn't play that much of a role. But hopefully, they're coming back that whenever uh, the CEO, the CFO talks to to the investment bankers, analysts, they should bring about, they should start talking about the ESG issues if they are really serious about those issues. And then try to explain to investors why are we engaged in ESG, what's the strategy, how does it fit fit in our overall strategy, Uh, so that. Investors realize is that, uh, realize that, okay, these guys are not thinking this as, as, a, as a charity, but these are thinking really as, as an integral part of the comp- company. And then uh, that way we can be sure
0: that, though, oh, this company is really serious about this. What is the future of ESG? I mean, we've had a big year. Um, are, are you seeing ESG potentially starting to pivot? Um, yeah, what are your thoughts?
1: So this is, a, this is a very interesting question. So if you think about the financing side, so if you are ESG oriented investor and then you invest in ESG mutual funds or impact you know, investing funds, so far the returns have been better than expected. So ESG funds have outperformed by a large all the non-ESG benchmarks. But I think that's Sooner or later, that's going to end. And the reason is that uh, ESG investing has become so popular that there's more and more money going into ESG funds. And that is driving uh, the stock price up for, for for companies that are very good at ESG. And if the stock price goes up now, it means that the future returns are going to be lower. So sooner or later, there's uh, tremendous money flows into ESG funds are you start diminishing the returns that you actually get from ESG investing. So that uh, then we really know that okay, if if you want to be a serious ESG investor, you're not going to get those spectacular returns anymore. That's because that was only happening in the early stages. where There was not enough money going into ESG investing and uh, Markets really didn't know how to value intangible assets like 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 ESG, but I think that's going to end, and in the long run, uh, there might be even a little bit lower lower returns for ESG funds. But if you if you as an investor, if you are really uh, interested in the environment and social issues, you should be able to sacrifice a little bit of the returns uh, if if you want to. Affect corporate strategies in, in in environmental social issues.
0: Okay, so trading some of the the short termism for more of a, a long termism and some values alignment, essentially.
1: Yeah, and and and, and, and so far the situation for, for ESG investors has almost almost been like like good, good too good to be true. The returns have been better than for for non ESG investments. Plus, you have been at a chance to, to influence corporate strategies towards more sustainable goals. But so far, that's, that's been a very nice space to be in. But uh, the success of ESG investing is going to make it so that in the long run, this can't be true. You, 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 never, can feel, you never have long term long-term free lunches. Mm-hmm. in financial markets. When financial markets learn how to value your ESG policies correctly and uh, realize that ESG creates value, then the price of those companies is going to increase. And when the price is increasing, it means that the future returns that would accrue the investors are going to be lower. So the, the future generation of ESG investors won't be getting spectacular returns. They might, they might be getting fair returns, but not the great returns that the early, early, early pioneers managed to get.
0: And um, on that note, you're launching a sustainable finance course at the University of Calgary uh, next year. Uh, so what will the course be covering?
1: Well, that's a very good question because to be honest, I haven't really thought about it that much yet. <laughs> Uh, I'll probably start taking a serious look at it uh, in, uh, in January. But uh, there's some issues that definitely need to be covered. So I'm, I'm, I will be talking about some uh, ESG ratings and how the, there is a positive correlation between the ESG ratings for different providers, but the correlation is, is not that high. So how do we deal with the issue when the info, information is sometimes inconsistent? Then I want to talk about how to, how to integrate these ESG factors in your investment process. How do you build a portfolio that takes ESG factors into into account? And also, how would, uh, if you want to do a corporate valuation, how would you integrate ESG issues in the, in the corporate valuation process? And hopefully I'll, I'll, I'll be leaning on also for you, our ESG-oriented community in Calgary and maybe Canada in large and get some, some exciting, uh, exciting uh, guest lecturers as well.
0: Well, I, uh, I graduate this year, but maybe I'll have to come back and take that course. <laughs> it sounds really interesting. Um, to take it after
1: the first, first year is always an exp- experiment. Usually, uh, the second time when I teach any course is much better experience.
0: Yeah, well, you'll have to send me um, the information when it's ready, and I'll uh, I'll share it on here and with my network because uh, there's definitely a growing appetite for that type of content.
1: Yeah, I would I would imagine that uh, the, the student body, uh, undergraduate and graduate student at the Haskell School of Business, uh, would be very interested in all kind of sustainability finance finance issues. So I think there's about I mean there's there's really a time that, that has games start increasing its offering in, in, in sustainability and sustainable finance in particular.
0: Yeah, well, especially in such a, an energy-centric um, city too, um, I think it'll be a very um, interesting playground for those those worlds to collide.
1: yeah, and and, and, and the new generation is is more more interested in, in sustainability than in, in the traditional topics. And uh, we shouldn't think about that this is something uh, additional extra, right? We tried to emphasize that, that should, this should be part of a, every company's DNA and how, how do we figure out how to integrate sustainability issues in the long-term strategy of our firm. So, of course, then means that we, we, as a business school, we have to also provide the tools for people to understand these issues.
0: Yeah, well, you're definitely on, on the forefront of a lot of that thought leadership. So if, if people want to connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: Uh, well, I'm fair, I am try to be fairly active in, in, in LinkedIn, depending on how, how busy I'm. I am. and Otherwise, I'm not active in, in Twitter or Facebook, but I think LinkedIn would be uh, uh, one way of getting in touch with me.
0: Perfect. Well, this has been very informative here, Joe. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Hey, my my pleasure, Kendall, and uh, happy to talk to you anytime.
0: Okay, thanks again. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Green Bull Radio. I'm your host, Kendall Titchener please submit guest ideas and ESG-related questions via our social media at Green Bull Radio on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Thanks for listening.